was right. In 1985, the uh, Pope of the day visited Peru and the Indians of Peru, um, and in fact most of South America, came with a delegation and they went to the Pope and they asked the Pope to take back his Bible. They said, for five centuries it has neither given them love nor peace nor justice. Take back your Bible. Twenty years ago, uh, CMS, the Church Missionary Society, started sending missionaries to Chile in South America to start teaching pastors the Bible in a way that they hadn't understood it before. And over the last particularly 13 years, we've seen the Anglican Church in Chile change remarkably as pastors started to understand the Scriptures and started to see Jesus and let the Word of God impact on their lives and churches started to be planted in areas they weren't before. Now why in some experiences of the people of South America uh, does the word of God seem to put shackles or locks on their hearts? And in other places it brings great freedom. You see, in the Indians of Peru, religion, if that's what the Bible was taught about religion, then it shackled men's hearts. Man-made religion put locks on people's hearts. But the message of grace that come from, comes from the scriptures gives hope. It frees men's hearts. We see in the story of Jonah a religious man who I think found grace for the first time. And so we're going to look at that. Now, you'll remember the story of Jonah maybe from your childhood. I, I remember teaching the story to my children and they loved the story of Jonah. They had this particular picture book and I remember the story they'd had in it, the story of the shipwreck. It had in it the story of what they, my kids thought was a whale, you know, of Jonah in the belly of the whale with seaweed all over him and uh, fish carcasses floating around in the whale while he was there and the whale spewing Jonah up onto the beach and him dripping with seaweed. The book had the story of Jonah going to preach to Nineveh it was a fantastic story. But for our kids, the story was all about the whale. Now, in Jonah, the word used is not whale, it means sea monster. It was probably a fish, a giant fish. But the story is not even about the fish. The story of Jonah is about a recalcitrant who hated people and who God transformed. He didn't care about who people, who the people that God called him to be a missionary to. He didn't care at all. Now, you've got an outline of what I'm going to say today. One of, one of the things that I do in, uh, in my ministry in Sydney is I run a conference where several thousands of people come to hear a Bible speaker and my annoyance often is that they change the outline by the time they get up and speak. Well, I'm going to change the outline too. So, um, let me just, get, the points will be basically the same, but I'll just go through them. Um, my first point will be about religion and love. 
My second point will be that religion destroys mission. And my last point, um, same passages, just different wording. Grace breeds mission. You know, one of the things that when I speak from God, when I was a, a young Christian, I always thought God spoke through his word very clearly to me. But I realised after some time that sometimes we read the Bible through our own eyes and our own preconceptions and we see things we want to see sometimes. So I'm going to pray that God's Spirit would speak through his word to our hearts and speak past our preconceptions and past our own sinful eyes at times and speak to our hearts. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glorious word. We thank you for this story of Jonah and how it reeks of grace. Open our eyes that we can see your word. Speak to the inner parts of our heart. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What's the opposite of love? What do you think the opposite of love is? Hate? Fear? Maybe. I, I Sometimes I wonder whether it's indifference. Let me tell you why. Um, sometimes um, the opposite of, if we think it's hate, hate is a passion. You know, you hate something, you're angry about something, you're vengeful. Love is a passion too. But indifference means I don't care at all. And if we're talking about the love of caring for another person, then maybe the opposite is indifference. Maybe it's hate. We're going to come back to that a bit. Now, Jonah is like any book, any prophet of the Old Testament. It starts with God speaking. And God speaks to an individual. He speaks to Jonah. Now, Jonah was a public figure in Israel. Uh, in 2 Kings 14, we're told that he was um, a prophet. And one of the things that he as a prophet really promoted was the expansion of the borders of Israel. He was, he was probably in the council to the king. Um, he had been a zealot for, the king, for, the, for Israel. He was a faithful citizen. But really what really drove much of what I think um, Jonah was on about was that he wanted Israel to expand. He was a nationalist. He wanted Israel to encompass the world. And it's to this man, quite comfortable I think, a zealot, a nationalist, and God says, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it. The sins of its people have come to my attention. Now Jonah, Nineveh was a big city. It was um, it was a big pagan city. It wasn't a Jewish city. It was at the height of its strength and it was Israel's main enemy. Um, we're told that it was a very sinful place. You read it in the verse that I just read out to you. But elsewhere, Nahum says this about Nineveh. He says, Everyone who hears news about you claps his hands at your fall. Who has not, held, who has not felt your endless cruelty? These are very cruel people and Israel, in one sense, wanted, it, wanted Nineveh to be judged. Now Jonah's response to God's call to go to these people in Nineveh, what is, is, is his response to go? His response is to run exactly the opposite direction. He goes to a place called Tarshish. Tarshish doesn't get much of a mention in the Bible at all. 
it's, it's sort of almost a place where God never shows himself. It's almost, on, the, on, the, on a compass, it's almost the opposite direction from Tarshish, from, from where Jonah was. So he runs in the opposite direction. He runs away from the face of God where he can never be found. A place where he can disappear. Do you know, we worked in little mining towns in uh, Western Australia, in, um, in little mining towns, and one of the places we worked, people used to go there to work to earn lots of money and to just get forgotten. They went there to just get away, um, to escape from broken marriages, to escape from financial pressures. They just went to escape and to not be known. When they did a census in this town, they, could, they found it very hard to find people because people were trying to disappear. In the end, the way they found out where, where people lived was to look for TV antennas because even if somebody lived in a shed, in a caravan, they would have a TV antenna. And that's how they counted people. Well, Jonah's running like these people were. And you wonder why he's running. Well, right at the end of Jonah, we're told a bit about it. This is what Jonah reflects in chapter 4, why he runs. And this is what he says. Jonah was very upset. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord and this is what he said. Lord, isn't this exactly what I thought would happen when I was still at home? That's why I was so quick to run away to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious, that you were tender and kind. You were slow to get angry. You are full of love. You are a God who takes pity on people. You don't want to destroy them. Jonah ran, not because his mission to, to Nineveh would be a success, but he ran, because, not because his mission would be a failure, but he ran because his mission would be a success. He didn't want the, Ninevehs to, the Ninevites to know God. He wanted, he wanted God to wipe the Ninevites off the face of the earth. I wonder whether you've ever felt that way. Have you ever felt these people are so bad that I just want them, I just want God to judge them? Do you feel somewhere in the context here, maybe you feel that about some ethnic groups or some religious groups, maybe you feel it about Muslims sometimes, you just want God to erase them from the face of the earth. Well, sometimes we as Christians feel that way, but Jonah is said, is told to go to the very people he hated. And I wonder, whether in Jonah's heart of hearts where there was a sense of self-righteousness. I will be okay. I've got God. I've got, we've got the temple in Jerusalem. We've got everything we need. I'll be okay. These people, these Ninevites, they're pagans. I don't want anything to do with them. And religion's very much like that. Religion is often about self-righteousness. It's about who's in but also who's out. We draw lines often in religion. We say, we're in and they're out. And for Jonah, that was exactly how he thought. He was in. He didn't care about those who were out. Jonah knew that the people of Nineveh would repent, that God would forgive them and bless them. But God was not just Jonah's God. Jonah couldn't handle crossing uh, enemy territory to save people. Jonah hated these people. You know, he just didn't care about them. They simply didn't matter. Now, are we so different? So often we don't like people that are different to us and we find it hard to care for them. 
We live in our high-rise apartments or in Sydney in houses where the neighbours over our fence we very rarely get to know and people, are, and people who are different to us we're not attracted to. I read this poem the other day which comes, it sort of is a reflection on the book of Revelation and it said this, I turned and beheld seven rows of plasma screens each bearing seven vivid images, each flickering, each pulsating with light revealing distant terrors, sufferings and all thereby brought so close and yet thereby all kept far away. Do you know, isn't it an irony that we have the TV bring us things from faraway places and people into our lounge rooms and yet in one sense we've never been so insulated from those who are different or removed from us. We don't talk to our neighbours. We often, it's really hard for Christians to sacrifice their needs to have the gospel go to people across the other side of the world. Okay, that's my first point. My second point is religion destroys mission. We're going to go back to Jonah. Remember, Jonah's in the ship. He's been called to go to Nineveh and he is a recalcitrant, he's a rebel, he runs and the boat is at sea and it's being swamped with waves and you can hear the timbers almost on the old on the old ship creaking under the strain, and the pagans, the heathens, who don't know God, the villains, according to the Jews, well, they resort to SOS prayers. They pray, all is lost, to prayer, to prayer, all is lost, and they throw over the cargo. They try to do what they can, and the captain goes down to the deck, and while they're panicking up on deck, Jonah is fast asleep fast asleep and the the captain hollers get up, get up and call on your God. You see for the captain he wants to call, he wants to get out of the situation as quickly as he can so he wants to, to tap into every divine possibility. He wants to pray to every God to hope that one will save him. He realises that he's not the master of the storm. And so he wants to find somebody who is. Now, in India I once caught a taxi. And as I caught the taxi, on the front of the taxi were a whole bunch of gods, a whole bunch of Hindu gods and there was a Mother Mary and there was a Jesus. And if you've driven in India you know why they have all those gods in front of them because driving in India is very dangerous. And so... They wanted to make sure he doesn't have a crash. He wanted to have all these gods protect him. And that's, that's really what these sailors are doing. They are calling out. They want God, a God to protect them. The sailors are grasping at straws. But my big question is, why is Jonah not praying? He doesn't pray at this point. He only prays when he's at death's door. He knows, surely he knows there's a problem. He's berated, he's bombarded by questions from the sailors. And this is what he says. He says, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. He is the God of heaven. He made the sea and the land. And this terrified the sailors. What Jonah is saying is, the God I worship is the God of all the universe. He is the ultimate source of power the ultimate source of authority and this is the God Jonah is running from. 
I want to just ask a little few things that are going on here at the deeper level. Um, with the seamen, they are tapping and they're trying to tap into what they know of God and they're trying to cash in all sorts of eternity. If, if you go to Africa, even in the Christian church and somebody gets sick, often people will go back to the, the shaman or the witch doctor to try and get a solution to their problem. Somehow the grace of God or their understanding of God hasn't filtered to that deep level. And here the sailors are trying to figure out in their terror, in their, they're trying to find out, but at least, at least two things. At least they reach out to God. And the other interesting thing about the sailors is that they try to, they try not to throw Jonah over the, they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to see Jonah drown. They do care for Jonah. So they do care and they do search out for God. What about Jonah? Jonah doesn't care. Doesn't seem to care an iota. Sorry, it doesn't, a little bit. And, and he also doesn't reach out to God. He doesn't pray. Why? I used to think he was depressed. <laughs> he was depressed in this ship. But maybe it's just that he thought he was going to be okay. He was the Jew. He was God's prophet. He would be okay. But he does nothing. So what happens? They throw him over the ship. The sailors reach out, try to save Jonah, don't want to throw him out, but in the end they have to throw him out. And I think we see a picture of these two types of people um, in some parts of the Gospels. You see, Jesus tells a parable he tells a parable like this. He tells a parable about two men who go up to the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee. He's a very religious man, um, probably a bit like an Anglican priest like me, very religious man, uh, probably thought very holy, a bit like Jonah. And the other was a tax collector, the worst of sinners. And the Pharisee stands up and prays about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, like robbers, like evildoers, like adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He's a very religious man. I wonder whether Jonah is a bit like him. Jonah thinks he's going to be okay. God will protect him. The tax collector, however, stood at a distance. He could not even look to heaven but he's beat his breast, he said, God have mercy on me. And I think we see some of the pagan seamen in there. They do reach out for God. But it's interesting that Jesus makes a verdict about this tax collector and this Pharisee and he says this, I tell you the truth that this man, the tax collector, went home justified before God, whoever who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, if you are self-righteous and religious and you think you are okay, then it destroys mission. It absolutely destroys any sense of mission because you are not lo- no longer interested in people who aren't like you, you know, don't care about them and you don't necessarily want them to join the club that you're in. So religion, I think, destroys mission. But Jonah, my last point, grace breeds mission. Jonah's thrown over. Maybe he didn't 
maybe he didn't think he was going to get thrown over, but he's thrown over. The ship is saved and Jonah sinks down, 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 deep down. And we have this amazing prayer. It's actually really poetic in chapter 2. It's, it's so emotive. I'm going to read from the message translation because it takes some liberties, but I think it's really helpful to catch the prayer. Jonah's in the belly of the whale and this is the prayer that he prays and you get a feel for where his heart went. He says, In deep, deep trouble I prayed to God. He answered me. Out from the belly of the grave I cried, Help! You heard my cry. You threw me into the ocean's depths, into a watery grave. The ocean waves, the open breakers crashed over me. I said, I've been thrown away, thrown out of your sight. I will never again lay eyes on your holy temple. The ocean gripped me by the throat. You can feel him almost choking, almost drowning. The abyss grabbed me and held me tight. My head was tangled in seaweed. At the bottom of the sea where the oceans take root, I was as far down as a body can go. And the the gates of hell or Hades were slamming shut behind me forever. Does he die at this point? Some commentators will say at this point Jonah did die, that he drowned at this point. But then we read next, You, God, you pulled me up out of the grave alive. Oh my God, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God. My prayer got through to you, made all the way to your holy temple. Those who worship hollow gods walk away from their only true love, but I am worshipping you, God, calling out in thanksgiving. And I'll do what I promised I'd do. Salvation belongs to God. In defiance to Jonah's self-sufficiency, God reaches out and picks up Jonah. Jonah is only has the mercy of God left and God reaches down and picks him out. God rescued him and I think for the first time he found not religion, not self-sufficiency, but he found grace. You know what grace is? Grace is undeserved favour and it has two sides. One, I am worse than I ever thought I was. But two, I am loved more than I can ever imagine. And Jonah is touched by God's grace and he is full of praise. He says this in verse 8, Some people worship worthless idols of their gods or cling to idols. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the sailors and he's talking about Nineveh. They turn away from the grace you want to give him is what he says. Those who turn away from idols, those who he despised, who he hated, he now sees that not only is he open to God's grace but so are they. They can have God's grace in all their sinfulness and you can see that for the first time Jonah's mind is opened to mission to people who weren't Israel. He sees God's saving grace and he sees he has a mission to sinners, to the idolaters and wicked. God is not just the God of Israel, but he is the God of the whole world. Paul says this in 1 Timothy because I think this idea of grace being the foundation of mission finds its It's sort of tentacles in all of the New Testament too. Paul says this, 
for Christ's love. I think it said controlled in the one that you have, but I like for Christ's love compels us. Why does it compel us? Because we've known Christ's love and we want to share that with others and we're convinced that one died uh, for all. You see, religion destroys mission but grace breeds mission. Religion builds foundations of self-righteousness. Grace builds a love for others. My friends, I don't know how, I don't know you at all. Many of you may have been Christians for a very long time and you may have come to a stage where you think you're okay and and in one sense you're okay because of the death of Jesus but you think somehow you're different to others and that you deserve God's love more than anybody else. And the truth is God's love must go to all people, even the people that are different to you. If you start to feel self-righteous that you are okay because of what you've done or who you are, maybe you think because I'm an Australian, you know, me, um, I'm okay. Well, when you start to feel that way, Remember the grace that you were saved because you're a sinner and only then will you understand mission. Only then will you understand the need to reach out to others that are very different to you. you know, this passage, Jonah is applied um, to Jesus. It's said that um, Jonah was a sign for the Ninevites as Jesus is a sign for us. What is the sign for us? Um, how is, what is, how is Jesus a sign for us? Well, I think as Jonah was a sign to the Ninevites that God loved them and had, a, had, a, had salvation for them. So Jesus, who when he was crucified, stood out, was crucified outside Jerusalem with sinners, with pagans, he hung there taking our place as a sign not only that salvation is for us but for the whole world. Who, how do you do as a church? When you think of yourselves as a church, do you outreach? Do you think, well, we've got to figure out ways to share the gospel with those who are different to us? Do you do that as a church? How are you doing at it? Are you too comfortable sometimes? Are you comfortable feeling we're okay? If that's the case, pray that God will show you his grace for you and for others. Amazing grace, how sweet sound it saved a sinner, a wretch, just like me and you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, sometimes we're tempted to take at all your death, the death of the Lord Jesus far too for granted. Father, remind us of your great grace. Keep us to, help us to continue to see that amazing grace and help it to transform the very depths of our hearts. And we pray that you would give us a burden for the lost, even the lost that we have, what we have written off, that we have thought are unreachable. Father, we pray that you'd work through this church to see your grace go beyond its walls, to encompass all of KL and to have an effect 
in the whole world. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.